Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including some National Football League. Eli Manning is retiring at 39 years old. The Giants will have a press conference tomorrow in New York City. He is both a two-time Super Bowl champion and a two-time Super Bowl MVP. But the rest of his resume includes exactly as many losses as wins as a starting quarterback in the NFL's regular season. You know the connections in our neighborhood. Duke head coach David Cutcliffe to this day is one of Eli Manning's close friends. And on his rise on the gridiron, he was one of his great mentors, along with Eli's dad, Archie, obviously, the former NFL QB. Duke quarterback Daniel Jones went from leading the Devils to catapulting past Eli Manning as the leader and starting quarterback of the New York Giants. Eli is stepping away. I've always viewed his marriage, that's in air quotes, as one of the most unusual in sports history. I will elaborate on why the more you know about Eli, the more you know about New York City. And I am very familiar with both. My wife is from the latter, and I've spoken with Eli, covered Eli in one way or another, asked Coach Cut and Daniel Jones and others about Eli. I know New York pretty well. I know Eli from afar fairly well. And it is one of the most unusual marriages in sports history. It is coming to an end after 16 seasons. Eli Manning up there with some of the great quarterbacks of all time on Iron Man streaks and most starts for a single franchise. And of course, there are only so many two-time Super Bowl MVPs. Perhaps that sounds like a trivia question that'll come later. Perhaps that means prizes for you. Perhaps that will happen as we get to some college basketball, some NBA, some Zion Williamson, some Tar Heels go down in Blacksburg. It was Virginia Tech 79, UNC 77 in double overtime. The Tar Heels lost to the Hokies. Was their sixth straight defeat this season in conference play, making that the longest ACC losing streak in the history of the program. Now, remember, the ACC is almost 70 years old. The Tar Heels have been a member of it the entire time. Until last night, they had never lost six straight ACC games. They dropped to 8-10. and 10. They are dead last in the 15-team ACC basketball standings. One win. That was the season opener way back against Notre Dame. Now six losses. One and six in conference play. Dead last, even behind Boston College and Wake Forest and the other teams we knew were likely to struggle this year. At 8-10, and 10, remember, they could be the team that gives Roy Williams the only losing record he's ever had in college basketball. We have time for your phone calls today on College Hoops, on Eli Manning, on Super Bowl 54, on the much-anticipated NBA debut last night of Zion Williamson. That went from slow to spectacular in a hurry if you were up late enough last night. 44-year-old Tiger Woods makes his 2020 debut today out at Torrey Pines in California. We will get to your question of the day answers. We will get to more of my thoughts on Super Bowl 54, Eli Manning, 
and Zion Williamson. The Tar Heels lost to the Hokies. What is awaiting us in the ACC basketball weekend to come? Big game for NC State on the road. Big game for Wake Forest at home. Big game for a team like Notre Dame that needs a signature victory. They go to Florida State. Whatever your favorite team might be in this league, if it's not Duke, Louisville, or Florida State, you need as many big wins as you can find. And since it's all conference play the rest of the way for almost everybody, when you get the Devils or the Cardinals or the Seminoles on your roster, it is there for the picking. You better get one if you want to be on the right side of the bubble come Selection Sunday. Kevin Keats Wolfpack, for example, coach joined us live earlier this week on the David Glenn Show after that win up in Charlottesville. They get Louisville in February at home. They get Duke in February at home. They get Florida State in February at home. Now, nobody would pick them to win all three. State fans I know are more worried about just taking care of the lowly Tar Heels on Monday night. You know, beat the team that's your arch rival while it is wounded and at one of the lower points in the history of that proud college basketball program. Some of those issues for, are for a little bit farther down the road. Wolfpack Tar Heels awaits us early next week, but both teams have games between now and then. Here's a question of the day for you as I say hello to my producer, Darren Vaught. We also have a pair of interns at your service. Will represents William Peace University. Sam represents the University of North Carolina. If you'd like in on any of the questions that I ask, you can just dial us now. Guests later, Mike DeCourcy on college basketball, the Hall of Famer from the Sporting News, Tom Haberstroh on Zion's debut and other NBA. The All-Star Game starters are going to be announced tonight on the TNT broadcast. That Kemba Walker guy, formerly one of the greats in the history of your Charlotte Hornets, he is going to be announced as an Eastern Conference starter. It will be his fourth straight All-Star game. It will be, of course, his first as a member of the Boston Celtics after these last three in a Hornets uniform. Here's a question of the day for your consideration. I will offer my answer a little bit later. We will welcome yours. Haberstro on the NBA from NBC Sports. DeCourcy on College Hoops. Your phone calls before and after and in between at 1-800-849-2761. For football fans... Which coach or player can improve his reputation the most in Super Bowl 54? I believe there are at least three good answers among coaches, and I believe there are at least three good answers among players, probably even more than that, but a few came to my mind immediately. On college basketball, listen carefully to this because it is not just for Carolina fans, although they are the ones swimming in misery as we speak. You know the old saying, misery loves company? The question of the day comes with that old saying in mind. Since misery loves company, what was your rock-bottom moment, the lowest of all lows, as a fan of any of the college basketball teams that we follow closely? I am in my 34th calendar year covering the Atlantic Coast Conference, and I can think of the lowest of the low. I thought to myself, for, for example, the big four, Duke, Wake, State, Carolina. I'm not sure it can get a lot worse than this. I remember feeling that, for example, in the mid-1990s, there was one year I felt that about Duke basketball. There was a different year nearby where I felt that way about NC State basketball, mid-90s, over the course of my 34 years covering these things. My answer to the Carolina part of the question is actually not 2020. 
Now, right now, don't get me wrong, it's on the short list. In my 34 years covering the Tar Heels, I mean, they are as close to anyone as just rubber stamping them on their way to the NCAA tournament. A lot of ACC titles under Dean Smith and Roy Williams, even sometimes Bill Guthridge. Heck, Matt Doherty once finished first in the ACC. The Tar Heels are way down. The Tar Heels are miserable in every sense of that phrase after last night's loss dropped them to 8-10. and 10. But I don't believe this is rock bottom. Believe it or not, I have a different answer for the Tar Heels. I have an answer for the Wolfpack, an answer for the Devils. I have a couple different options for Wake Forest. And although the Deeks obviously are down right now, my answer to the Wake Forest rock bottom question is not 2020 either. There is a recency bias. You always feel like whatever's going on right now is the best or the worst. Well, if you've been around long enough and your memory is pretty good, I promise you, I can find even lower points in my time covering Wake basketball, Carolina basketball, than the definitely miserable stuff happening right now, don't get me wrong. State and Duke have answers that are a little bit further in the rearview mirror. My thoughts with yours on that at 1-800-849-2761. What'd you think of Zion Williamson's debut last night? You had to stay up late to get the very best of it. After three quarters, it was not a very nice debut. It went from slow to spectacular quickly. He even ended up setting an all-time Pelicans record, topping Anthony Davis now with the Lakers in the process. I'll talk about Eli Manning's retirement. I'll offer my two cents on Zion's debut, and I will answer my own question of the day as we welcome your answers. Since misery loves company, what was your rock-bottom moment, the lowest of all lows, as a fan of any college basketball teams we follow here closely? Do the Tar Heels have any chance of making anything of this season, even after Cole Anthony comes back? More of my thoughts with yours, 1-800-849-2761. Great guests later, your calls now. NFL fans, again, your question, which coach or player can improve his reputation most in Super Bowl 54? I have a coach leading one list, a player leading another but they're not the only good answers to that question of the day. 1-800-849-2761. Haberstroh on the NBA. DeCourcy on college basketball. Your phone calls now. The strangest or one of the most, at least, unusual marriages in the history of sports. That's next with your calls on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. We'd like to have Cole come back and B-Rob come back, too. Somebody said that he and Cole have made more threes than the rest of our team put together this year, and so not having B-Rob out there was something. But you, you can't do anything about injuries. So when they get out there to play, then we'll have them. But, you know, we got to be a better shooting team because we had some opportunities that they just didn't make some good shots, too. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We have some questions of the day lingering for you. Guests are later. We have one for NFL fans, one for college basketball fans. One for NBA fans. What'd you think of Zion's debut? That one is simple enough. More of my thoughts with yours. College basketball question of the day. You just heard Roy Williams there. The Tar Heels have lost five straight games overall. They've lost nine of their last 11. By suffering their sixth straight defeat in conference play last night at Virginia Tech, 
They now have the longest such ACC losing streak in the history of the program in a league that is almost 70 years old. They actually led most of the way in Blacksburg. The question of the day comes with the Tar Heels in mind, but is not limited to them. Since misery loves company, what was your rock bottom moment? The lowest of all lows as a fan of any of the college basketball teams we follow closely. I have a couple different answers in the years I've covered NC State. One comes to mind for Duke, a couple for Wake Forest. And my number one worst, most miserable, rock bottom example for the Tar Heels is not 2020. It is not the current season, although, again, this is getting closer and closer to the short list. Coach Williams, as we welcome your calls, NFL fans, which coach or player can improve his reputation the most in Super Bowl 54? My coach's list is led by one man. My player's list led by another. I'll share those as I get to the most unusual marriage or one of the most unusual marriages in sports history to me that involves Eli Manning and the New York Giants for reasons I will explain momentarily. You can be next with your answer to our question of the day by dialing 1-800-849-2761. If you had to boil down the Tar Heels problems, by the way, if you had to just kind of really be concise about it, it would be horrible backcourt play. If you watch them lose to the Hokies, they were good enough to lead most of the way. They had by far the better big men in the game. And that's why they led most of the way. There's nothing wrong with Garrison Brooks. He played 48 minutes last night. 28 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists as a big guy. 11 for 18 from the field, which means he's not a reckless ball hog. That is highly efficient basketball. He even made a couple free throws. He was pivotal in even driving to the basket at times, which is not normally a part of his game. Nothing wrong with the junior forward Garrison Brooks. That guy might be end up, end up this season as an all-ACC player. The transfer, Justin Pierce, who's a forward. I don't want to say it's his best game as a Tar Heel because I think there was one against UNC Wilmington way back early where he was really, really good and got a lot of Tar Heel fans excited, and then he was nothing like that again. Along with that other game from months ago, that was Justin Pierce's best game as a Tar Heel. 15 points, 8 rebounds, and he hit three of his five three-pointers. The Tar Heels have been absolutely horrific offensively, horrific from three-point land. And again, the, the horrifying nature of it all stems from a lack of good guards. Now, everybody has their own snide remark about Roy Williams recruited these guys, so if he doesn't have the usual talent that he has, it's his fault. I get that. His number one guard is clearly Cole Anthony. He's still out with his knee surgery repercussions his number two guard is senior Brandon Robinson he didn't play last night neck issues related to his late night car accident he was hit by an alleged drunk driver his third best guard might have been Anthony Harris who showed flashes before suffering a knee injury and is now also out for the season or I shouldn't say also Anthony is coming back Brandon Robinson is coming back so think of a program that when they've won it all I mean it's Ty Lawson at point guard it's Raymond Felton at point guard it's Joel Berry at point guard it's sharpshooters on the wing like a Rashad McCants in a given year or somebody else the best Tar Heel teams have all had heck Michael Jordan was the wing guard back in 1982 when Dean Smith won it all by ACC standards the rest of the Tar Heels guards are not good they're just not good. 
you could argue that they're all below average by ACC standards. And there's not a prep All-American in the bunch, by the way, for those who think every guy in a Tar Heel uniform, you know, played in the McDonald's All-American game. You know how many top 50 recruits are on this year's Carolina roster? Two. Do you know how many of them are healthy right now? One. So whether you follow the eyeball test, which I think is the best test, we all know the talent is down in Chapel Hill. Or if you really want to count four stars, five stars, just remember, Roy Williams typically has four to six future NBA players on his roster. That's a, that's a routine number for him at Kansas and Carolina. Four to six. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but four to six would be the average. He has one certain future NBA player in Cole Anthony, and he's hurt right now. And maybe somebody else ends up making the NBA. It's kind of too early to tell for some of the younger guys. He typically has six to ten top 50 recruits. And again, you can do your own homework if you want on this. He typically has 13 scholarships. Usually, six to ten of those guys were top 50 high school seniors. This team has two of them. Armando Baycott is one, and Cole Anthony is the other. One of those two is hurt right now. The other is a young guy at a big man position where rookies usually take a little time to grow. Again, explanations or excuses, you can paint them whatever you want. It is true that the talent is down in Chapel Hill. It is also true, by the way, that better execution – Better coaching, you could say. Better preparation. Roy Williams threw himself on the sword when the Tar Heels lost their 15-9-0 forever streak to the Clemson Tigers in Chapel Hill. He threw himself on the sword. He said, I didn't even remind them how I wanted to handle the last possession for Clemson where he, he wished they would foul, as they do in practice all the time, and they didn't. So that's on him. It's on his veteran players. It's on basketball IQ. It's on execution. So the Tar Heels' misery is a combination of obvious talent decline for a variety of reasons. But also, when you're in a close game against Clemson at home, or last night when you're in a close game against Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, and you led the Hokies most of the way, better execution, smarter basketball, makes you 2-0 in those games, despite your drop in talent. It's not like the Hokies or the Tigers have overwhelming talent compared to yours. Better execution, smarter basketball makes you 2-0 and against Clemson and Virginia Tech instead of 0-2 and dead last in the ACC standings. 1-800-849-2761 if you'd like in on the misery question of the day. Since misery loves company, what was your rock-bottom moment, the lowest of all lows as a fan of any of the college basketball teams we follow closely? I think 2020 is on the short list for the Tar Heels, but the worst I saw came... Almost two decades ago, more on that a little bit later, with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. All right, the one thing I promised, and then we'll get to your calls. Eli Manning is retiring at the age of 39. Think of your favorite athlete in any sport, and think of where he ended up spending the most time in terms of a professional uniform. So LeBron is from Ohio, and he played for the Cavaliers. There's a different part of LeBron's personality that is very L.A.-like. So he went from bringing that elusive championship to the Cleveland Cavaliers in his home state, where he was a good fit for the obvious reasons, his upbringing, etc., to a place like L.A. that, given he's appeared in feature films, etc., that's a good match as well. I believe that Eli Manning and the New York Giants qualify as one of the most unusual marriages in the history of sports. And I think most of you have a feel for where I'm going with this. But Drew Brees, for example, who 
recently spoke about his future. Are we going to have a year where Eli retires and Drew Brees retires? And what's Tom Brady going to do? And will Cam Newton get healthy? Man, there's a lot of questions surrounding famous quarterbacks. Drew Brees grew up in Texas. Him ending up with the Saints is not a stretch, right? Texas and New Orleans are almost like cousins. So Drew Brees, culturally speaking, did not have to make a massive adjustment to spend the, well, almost the entirety of his NFL career with the New Orleans Saints. Texas guy makes great down the road in New Orleans, right? That's not, that's not an odd couple. That's a foreseeable fit, right? Or think closer to home. Wouldn't you say that Atlanta and Charlotte are two of the greatest cities in the southeastern United States? Population-wise, culturally, weather-wise, and in so many ways, Atlanta and Charlotte are culturally similar. So when you think of Cam Newton's journey, I mean, you know, maybe the Falcons would have been the dream hometown team the way the Cavaliers originally were for LeBron James in basketball, but it's not a massive adjustment to go from the biggest city in the southeast, Atlanta. He grew up in the Atlanta area. You know, the detour to Florida, a little to the south, the detour to junior college, the detour to Auburn, where he won the national championship and the Heisman Trophy just on the other side of the Georgia border there. And then at the NFL level, sure enough, he's just up the road in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is not the longest drive from the state of Georgia or the city of Atlanta, if you know your geography well. Again, a cultural fit that works like LeBron in Cleveland, but also LeBron in L.A., like Drew Brees, Texan, down the road in New Orleans, Cam Newton, Atlantan, up the road in Charlotte. I believe the marriage between Eli Manning and the New York Giants is among the most unusual in sports history. I will tell you why as we come to your calls next on The David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's so. a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We are going to honor the retirement of Eli Manning of the Giants in a couple different ways. We have a trivia question allowing for you to win your choice from our prize closet. Tickets to cool games, sports books from famous authors, you get DG Show t-shirts, sport clip, sports, sports clips, haircut certificates. You have all sorts of options when you win. We don't force any single prize down your throat. You get to pick your prize when you win on the David Glenn Show. I'll give you an Eli trivia question in a second. I have... A little bit on why I believe the Eli New York Giants successful marriage was one of the most unusual marriages in the history of sports. We have a question of the day for NFL fans. Which coach or player can improve his reputation the most in Super Bowl 54? The leading vote getter so far is Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. He does not yet have a Super Bowl ring. He is one of the six winningest coaches in NFL history, and that is the big hole on his resume. There are other good answers coming in as well. We'll come to your calls in a little bit. And with the Carolina Tar Heels in mind, since misery loves company, what was your rock-bottom moment? Is it right now for you as a Wake basketball fan, as a Carolina basketball fan? The lowest of all lows. What was your rock-bottom moment as a fan of any of the college basketball teams we follow closely? Some Wake and Carolina fans say it is right now. I've been at this for 34 years and I can think of even worse moments 
in the history of the modern history of both of those programs. NBA fans, you have a simple question of the day. What'd you think? Zion Williamson finally made his much anticipated NBA debut. And after a slow start through three quarters, he was real and he was spectacular to steal the Seinfeld phrase the rest of the way. Pelicans did not win the game, but Zion Williamson did put on an absolutely thrilling spectacle of a show. More on that with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News on College Hoops in 60 Minutes. Tom Haberstroh of NBC Sports on Zion and other NBA in about 30 minutes. Your calls right now at 1-800-849-2761. Darren, you ever been to a wedding where you weren't sure the marriage was going to work out? <laughs> yeah, sure. Horrible feeling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Horrible feeling. Yeah. Here's what I've come to learn about that, by the way. Quick aside, and then why I believe the Eli Manning, New York Giants marriage, that's in air quotes, is one of the most unusual in sports history, albeit incredibly successful, right? Not only two Super Bowl titles, they beat the Patriots both times. Eli was the MVP both times. So for everybody who wants to take a shot at his 117 and 117 regular season record as a starting quarterback. I mean, that essentially defines mediocrity. Exactly as many losses as you have wins, right? There are reminders such as those, two Super Bowl titles, two Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, in case somebody wants to win trivia now, I'll throw out part of the, the trivia question. There are only four other two-time Super Bowl MVPs. My hint to you is that they're also quarterbacks. In other words, Eli is one of five men ever to be the Super Bowl MVP twice over. There are four others who fit that description. How many should we ask for, Darren? You feel, how you feeling well, today? Well, to, to clarify, is this twice or more? I believe they're all exactly they're two. They're all exactly two. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it might, I may have done some bad homework there, but <laughs> you can say two or more to be safe. Yeah. I believe there are five two-time Super Bowl MVPs I don't think there are more than that. I mean, it might be. Yeah, it is two or more. I can. There's a possibility that yeah. I can think of a QB that might have had more than two. So, yes, thank you for the, you got it. the tweak of the terminology there. You ever been at that wedding? Have you drawn any conclusions? You represent the 20s and 30-somethings in our audience. I represent the 40s and 50-somethings. And by default, I guess, you know, the older people as well. Here's <laughs> what I've learned seriously. I remember a, a wedding from my youth where it was almost like, what do they call, maybe you grew up with these, like the Ken doll and the Barbie doll, right? <laughs> okay. And, and I just thought, man, the guy looks like Ken. He acts like Ken. She looks like Barbie. She acts like Barbie. And whether you were, you know, having flashbacks to your favorite lifeguards on the beach TV show, which I had a lot of that in my youth, or you were just thinking of the little kids playing with dolls because I knew their personalities a little bit and I thought they also had a Ken and Barbie type fit. I made the assumption that they were just going to have a Hollywood dream lifestyle together. Oh, okay. That's not at all where I thought you were okay, going to go with that. Okay, that one ended poorly. So I'm sitting okay. there and I actually... I don't want to give too many details, but I was in that wedding. Not as, <laughs> not as the groom, obviously, but I was part of the wedding, had nothing but good vibes, knew the bride well, knew the groom well, saw all these great connectivities, and knew both people well, but it just didn't work out for reasons not worth getting into. Around the same time, I was at a wedding that I would have bet a lot of money 
was not going to make it. And I actually felt guilty sitting there. If you believe in energy or karma or any of that stuff, man, I'm thinking, why am I having these thoughts? These people are at one of the most sacred moments of their entire lives, and all I can keep thinking is that they're a bad match for each other and it's not going to work. I, <laughs> I was not in that wedding. I was just attending that wedding. Right. I felt horrible for what I was thinking involuntarily. They were just popping into my head, those thoughts. And for a variety of reasons, I didn't think they were a great match. Sure enough, Ken and Barbie split. And these two, I believe, are still together, you know, 30, 30 years later. So the bottom line, like, what do I know? What do you know? Don't make too many assumptions while two people are walking down the aisle. Sometimes, you know, the book is a lot different than its cover. And when you have two different books, things get a lot more complicated, right? It's really hard to know from the outside. There's the occasional relationship where you know wife and husband were both sides so, so well that you can sense that things are going well or going poorly. Nine times out of ten in my experience, those little vibes you get, oh, Ken and Barbie, is it this beautiful? No, the vibes... The, the judging the book by the cover, unless you have inside info, don't guess. It's bad karma, it's bad energy, and usually you just end up being wrong to the point of embarrassment if you shared your thoughts with anybody, which fortunately I did not 30 years ago. Cam Newton, Atlanta to Charlotte, not a cultural turnaround. Drew Brees, native Texan to New Orleans down the road, not a cultural turnaround. LeBron leading the Cavs to an NBA title, his home state, easy. Natural fit. LeBron jumping to L.A. or even Miami, the Hollywood part of his personality. Also, easy fits only in different ways. The Eli Manning New York Giants marriage is one of the most unusual in sports history. I probably would have bet had they been standing in front of the altar with the minister ready to bring them together back when he was the number one overall pick in 2004. I'd have bet against them, Derek. I would have bet against Eli and the Giants working out well as a sports marriage. And as Frank Sinatra reminds us of all the wonderful things that we should celebrate the Big Apple for, I'd like to remind you what a weird match it was in the first place now i am happy for eli a really good guy even as an eagles fan i can say that out loud and trust me it's hard but i married a new yorker the lovely and talented maria i've gotten to know the manning family several guests on our show plus coach cut an unofficial branch of that family tree Daniel Jones of Duke, Eli's sidekick, also a guest on our show. More insight into what makes Eli tick. Do you know what New York City is fundamentally? It's the biggest of the big northern cities in the United States of America, northeastern, if you will. I experienced it in many ways growing up in another of those big cities in the northeast, Philadelphia. Generally speaking, Philly people don't like New York people a whole lot, and vice versa. As New York represents the biggest of the big northeastern cities, you know what Eli Manning is fundamentally? He's a southern boy from Louisiana. That's the starting point of their marriage many years ago. New York I think of as crowded. You know what Eli has often told us he prefers? Solitude. New York is loud. Eli prefers quiet. New York is often about being obnoxious in victory. Eli is the ultimately gracious gentleman in victory or defeat. 
New York, not everybody, Darren, I don't want to be accused of painting with too broad a brush, but New York is often about rubbing in the big win. Eli is more likely to be the one helping you up after he was part of the reason that you lost the game. Frank Sinatra in this song, I believe, tells us, Darren, that New York is, if I remember correctly, the city that never sleeps. Eli Manning has such a low-key personality that you're not always sure he's awake. <laughs> New York, if I remember from my childhood comic books, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, young Darren Vaught, isn't it where Batman has the direct line to the mayor of Gotham? Eli probably still wears his Batman pajamas. <laughs> New York is about glitz and glamour. Eli is humble. He is uncomplicated. He is low-key. He is definitely not dressing to impress. He's the opposite of Broadway Joe Namath from way back in the day. Another famous New York QB who went on to distinction. New York is filled with folks seeking out cameras and microphones, and Eli is mostly avoiding them or politely cooperating if he must. And finally, New York, have you ever seen the wonderful painting where, and I wish I could remember the artist's name, I would credit him or her. It is essentially a painting of New York City that implies that the extent of the boundaries of New York are the ends of the earth. They, they are often the center of the universe, the way they view the world. Oh, there's life outside of the Big Apple. Indeed, Eli Manning is the opposite of that as well. He would really like to be remembered as mostly a regular guy and mostly an outstanding quarterback on top of it. That is one of the most unusual marriages in the history of sports as we see it here at the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. Way to dig out the Sinatra there, Darren. I didn't even tell you about that at our, our, mor our morning meetings, man. Our, what do you call them? Uh, what do you, <laughs> like a production oh, meeting? Oh, yeah. Our, our production meetings have become just <laughs> infamously brutal and complicated. So uh, I forgot to mention that at our two-hour-long production meeting earlier today, so I appreciate you on the spur of the of moment course. digging out a little Frank Sinatra for me. As we toast, really, I like Eli. I find it hard often to like New York. I am truly happy as someone who attended this wedding, in a way, a long time ago. <laughs> number one overall pick. Remember, Eli turned down the franchise that drafted him. Can you imagine that? You're turning, yeah, right. so in turning the metaphor, down your would-be wife and jumping right into the sack with somebody else. So in, in the metaphor, is that Eli running out on his bride the first time, or is that him crashing in and saying, I object to another? I'm afraid to extend that analogy <laughs> because I like Eli too much, and I just don't want that toast of mine to be viewed in a different light. We're going to give away a trivia prize on the other side. We have Tom Haberstrow from NBC Sports on Zion's debut last night and some other NBA. The All-Star starters will be announced tonight. 
Kemba Walker and otherwise. Mike DeCourcy on the lowly North Carolina Tar Heels and other college basketball, good and bad. The Hall of Famer from the Sporting News in about 45 minutes will drop by. More of your calls on our NFL, college basketball, and NBA questions of the day. What'd you think of Zion's debut? What is your rock-bottom moment as a fan of one of our state's college basketball programs? Some Tar Heel fans are saying it's right now. I actually believe that while 2020 is on the short list, at least for now, and maybe in the coming weeks, we'll see, it's not rock bottom as I watched it and covered it as a journalist a couple of decades ago. More on those stories with more of your phone calls, including a trivia winner, Eli Manning, may have been truly mediocre as a regular season starting quarterback. 117 wins, 117 losses. He still is retiring as one of only five two-time Super Bowl MVPs. All of the other four also are quarterbacks. Someone will win a prize on the other side. You can jump in on a question of the day. The Tar Heels go down again, this time in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. The Hokies are trying to take more steps toward an NCAA tournament bid. The Tar Heels took another step toward what would be Roy Williams' first losing season as a college coach, period meaning as an assistant to Dean Smith, head coach at Kansas, head coach at Carolina. We're talking about like, what, four to five decades worth of college basketball teams. The Tar Heels are eight and 10 and may be the first to fit that losing description ever under Roy Williams. More of those topics with more of your calls next. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Tom Haberstroh on Zion Williamson's NBA debut. And more from that sport. All-Star Game starters announced tonight. Kemba Walker will be among them, the former Hornet now with the Celtics. We have questions of the day allowing for your participation. Mike wants to chime in on that. Since misery loves company and the Tar Heels certainly are miserable again after losing to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg last night, they led most of the way and then it got away. Heels dropped to 8-10, and 1-6 and six in the ACC. Mike Young and the Hokies improved to 14-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in conference play. And guess what? That leaves you in the mix for an NCAA tournament at-large bid. Nobody would have thought that for the Hokies when they were picked 14th out of 15 in the preseason because of a lot of offseason season attrition including Buzz Williams the coach leaving for Texas A&M nobody would have thought the Tar Heels would be dead last 15 of 15 even though they lost a lot to the NBA in their case and some other seniors since misery loves company what was your rock bottom moment the lowest of all lows as a fan of any of the college basketball programs we follow although Wake and Carolina fans are voting 2020 as the correct answer to that I don't believe either is truly rock bottom for the Deeks or the Tar Heels in basketball. I have covered worse moments for both. I have the mid-90s in mind for the, the Wolfpack and the Blue Devils. You can chime in with your answer at 1-800-849-2761. Mike is in Cary. We also have the lingering trivia question. I think Lewis is going to get the first shot at that. We're celebrating Eli Manning. I gave you the toast a little bit earlier this hour. The question is this. There are only five players ever 
who have two or more Super Bowl MVP trophies. Obviously, Eli is one of those five. So for everyone who second guesses his regular season record, or believe it or not, the Giants record with him starting over the last eight years is 48 wins and 67 losses. That's flat out ugly. It's one of the reasons they had to turn the page to Daniel Jones of Duke. There are some blemishes on the resume for sure, but when you have the Iron Man streak that Eli Manning had, 210 straight starts from 2004 to 2017, when you are one of only five two or more Super Bowl MVP guys, again, the hint for the other four is that they're also quarterbacks, and when you are one of the longest reigning starting QBs for any single franchise. There are only three guys, starting with Tom Brady, obviously, with the Patriots. Only three quarterbacks ever started more games for their team than Eli Manning started for the Giants. In his case, 234. Brady and two others. I might turn that into a trivia question later. We're celebrating Eli Manning. I know he's a New York guy. I know I'm a Philly guy at heart, but uh, I liked him that much anyway. Doesn't have an overwhelming resume in all the usual ways. Would you believe Lee? Eli Manning's never been an All-Pro? Never an All-Pro. He's gone to some Pro Bowls, never voted one of the best QBs in the NFL. Over 16 years, not one time. Never an MVP candidate. Those are some of the things that can improve your candidacy for the Hall of Fame. That conversation awaits five years after retirement, remember. Let me get to Mike and Carrie. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hey, David. Uh, love your show. Thank you, sir. Being a, being a Wake Forest alum and 70 years old, which covers a lot of basketball mm. years, I don't think anything could be worse than losing a great man who was also a great coach in the prime of his uh, tenure in Skip Prosser. You know what's crazy? It's, I don't even want to use the word funny because it's so sad. I wrote this down this morning. I, ask, I always ask myself the question of the day before I turn it over to people like you all, and that's a great answer You know, for those just joining us. Since misery loves company, what was your rock-bottom moment as the fan of any college basketball team we follow around here? I think if you've listened a long time, Mike, you may have heard me say that was my saddest day as a broadcaster, having to share what was at the moment breaking news, Skip Prosser has died. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes all these years later. So I actually put that off to the side so I wouldn't cry on a statewide radio show today. I mean, I, I tried to limit it to basketball, but the bottom line is your answer is the correct answer. I mean, you want to talk about rock bottom. Saying goodbye to a beacon of a man, you know, just a just an absolutely wonderful person who also had energized Wake Forest basketball, that's rock bottom when you extend the definition a little bit, right? I was thinking in basketball terms just to maintain my own sanity. When I think back to my young days, and you probably remember this as a 70-year-old guy, that four-year Bob Stack era in the late 80s and the four-year Jeff Buzdelic era more recently, before Danny Manning, like, you never thought the Deeks were going to win a game against a good team. Like, for four straight years, under Stack then, under Buzdelic recently, I know Danny Manning's era is sad in many ways, too. It was not as hopeless as those two. Trivia wins and your calls. And Tom Haverstrow, the head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show.